Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Richmond City Council's budget work session. Madam Clerk, if you would please read the emergency evacuation announcement followed by the roll call. Yes, ma'am. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay, 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. For roll call, Mr. Addison, Ms. Jordan, Ms. Lambert, Ms. Nye, Ms. Lynch, Ms. Trammell, Mr. Jones, Vice President Robertson, and President Newbill. Here. Everything, everyone, we had four, we, at this time we have four members present and five in absence. Thank you, Madam Clerk. At this time, we'll proceed with the uh, analysis of the mayor's proposed operating budget and that will, that presentation, Mr. Saunders, is that yourself or, okay. Good afternoon, Madam President, members of City Council. Lincoln Saunders, Chief Administrative Officer um, for the city. Uh, just give me one second while we get the presentation pulled up and be prepared. Thank you, Madam President. We're ready to begin. Great. Thank you. Perfect. Okay. Again, um, I'm Lincoln Saunders, uh, Chief Administrative Officer for the City of Richmond, and today we are excited to be able to speak to City Council regarding the compensation um, changes that are proposed in the mayor's uh, introduced FY23 proposed budget. I want to start with um, a question. Uh, the question that we ask ourselves um, uh, as leaders within the city. As an organization, are we an employer of choice? And to do that, we need to ask ourselves over the last decade, has the city been treating its employees the way an employer of choice would treat them? We'll speak more to that as we go. Um, the reason that we focus on this question is because being an employer choice is part of how we determine um, the path to attracting the best and retaining the best. 
these boxes represent the life cycle uh, of employees and um, the core areas that we think of for performance or being an employer of choice. Today we're mostly focusing on, we are singularly focusing on compensation, but everything from professional development and recruitment to benefits and uh, performance management are very key to these questions as well. I'm going to start the compensation discussion today with a um, discussion of the sworn officer, uh, sworn officer and firefighter um, step plan, and starting with a review of the historical um, steps and uh, pay increases uh, in for our sworn police and firefighters. Um, we have had step increases in eight of the last 12 years, uh, and there were additional catch-ups, I would call it in uh, the intervening years, you know, where steps were adjusted or were, were, were missed. Um, so you see that in 2016, you see it essentially in 2018. The 2025% was, was the implementation of the Gallagher um, study for sworn officers and firefighters. And then as you see, when we get to um, FY23, we're proposing what is a before a up roughly 18.3% overall increase in sworn officer and firefighter pay. The total cost, as the mayor mentioned during his budget speech and I mentioned in my last presentation, is 17.4 million and will affect almost 1,000 sworn personnel. It is one of the largest increases in city history. I'd be surprised if there actually was one greater. Um, and it will make us, put us as having one of the most competitive pay plans in the Commonwealth of Virginia. As I mentioned before, the step plan uh, has an average increase of over 18%, and uh, we are also increasing the rate of, um, uh, of increase uh, that you receive when you go from um, between supervisory roles or from non-supervisory to supervisory. Uh, we're increasing that from the current 5% to a proposed 10% uh, adjustment. The new pay plan also includes a number of additional um, specialty recognitions as far as pay. Uh, we're creating a community um, policing lead program, which is going to be evidence-based policing and problem solving. It strengthens community relations by building trust and developing effective communication. And it's an area where we do want to compare ourselves um, with the outlying counties because we are in direct competition with them for um, the resources and for the uh, the need and uh, commitment to um, strengthen those community relations. There's also a differential for police trainers. Um, there's additional differentials in special assignments um, within fire um, for, uh, I believe, um, rescue services as well as being a driver operator for um, fire engines. The pay plan also removes the funding, um, removes the career development option that is dependent on um, funding that career development uh, training. We removed the two five-year periods where individuals would be plateaued at the same pay level. Um, and we've also, as part of this implementation, uh, regraded a number of the, um, the, the senior um, positions in order to address the compression by fixing the um, earlier 
uh, tiers of supervisory experience. This, uh, this slide speaks to both our current pay plan, the one presented by um, our SORN um, out friends in either uh, 995 or RCOP last year, uh, as well as um, the comparable in, in RICO, as well as our um, proposal FY23. Just to hit the highlights, um, the current pay plan has 26 steps. The one presented had 20. Uh, in RICO has 27 as a comparison, and our proposed FY23 has 27. I do believe that um, just to round out the region, um, the other localities that we looked at, Chesterfield and Hanover, have, I believe, 25 steps. Current play plan has 21 steps for management. Uh, the last one presented last November had 20 steps for management. And RICO's has 27, and we are proposing 27 as well. Current play plan is multi-level, so you have you know, police officers and firefighters, levels one, two, three, and four, and then the master. We uh, were presented last November with a request to go to a flat structure uh, where we would um, unify them into a single um, pay plan or a single, single uh, level. Um, and RICO has multi-level, um, however, we did uh, elect to propose uh, the flat structure to address the concerns we heard about career development and the funding disparities. Our uh, current pay plan has the two five-year plateaus of the, where you stay at the same salary level. Um, obviously, the, the one presented last November did not include that, that flat period. Um, it's not something we see in really any other locality to have those five-year plateaus. Uh, and RICO, as I mentioned, does not have it. Our proposed plan uh, removes it as well. And so, there is no five-year plateau. Again, I think I've said this a couple times, um, career development is currently a factor in pay, uh, but it's dependent on funding. Uh, that was not, that was recommended for removal by the individuals last November. Um, and RICO does have career development. As I mentioned, they, they have the multi-level of um, tiers one, two, three, four, and master. Uh, however, we are, are removing that dependency on career development funding. We are also adding the specialty pay that I mentioned before for those special um, assignments. If you take a look at this slide and, and take a minute to um, take it in, the overall figure shows that 83% of all sworn officers and firefighters in the city will see more than a 15% increase in pay under this pay plan. You see we have 50 overall who will receive more than 25%, 352 who will receive between 20 and 25%, over 420 that will receive between 15% and 20%, over 110 for um, who will receive 10 to 15%, and 52 will receive between 5 and the average overall increase in police is 18.4%. The average increase in fire is 18.1%. The average increase um, for a police officer is 19.6%. And the average increase for a firefighter, again, these are three super, not, not at supervisory levels, but a, a police officer and a firefighter, the average increase is 19.5% over five. At the supervisory levels in police, the increase averages out to 
and then fire, it, in, it um, increases to 14.2%. So these tables basically just um, further break that down. Mr. Saund Mr. Yes, Saunders, there's a question. Councilwoman Trammell. Thank yes, you. Um, Lincoln, how come, going back to the other slide, I try to get their attention, but anyway, you had him, Michael. How come Chesterfield's not up there? How come there's not a comparison with Chesterfield? I think of the, the, the tactful way to answer this. Um, Henrico is the high bar. I'm sorry, what? Henrico is the high bar. They had the highest had the highest starting pay. We, we did review everything in comparison to Chesterfield, but generally speaking, if Chesterfield's here, Henrico is a step there, so that's where we look for our measurements. So if there's an area, we could certainly provide you what, what, we, what we know about Chesterfield, but um, the pay rates in Henrico are greater than Chesterfield. The step plan is, is roughly the same. They have 25 steps. Um, if there's a specific area I can address, I'd, I'd be glad to. I just, I don't understand why, I mean, I understand why Chesterfield Police Department has taken so many of our police officers more so than Henrico. If Henrico has a better plan than what Chesterfield, so what could be It may be that they have more openings. Um, today or otherwise. I, I can't speak to specific reasons why an individual would leave. We know that this plan has been sent to um, help increase our competitiveness and enable us to either um, retain, recruit, or, or attract um, and the then, best we can. And then with the retirement system too, is that compared? We're not talking retirement today. We're I just mean, talking about compensation. I understand that, but I'm just saying when we do, can you add that on there too? Absolutely. All right, certainly. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I just wanted to be clear that we weren't providing any additional info on okay. the retirement system. Okay, I understand. Today. Okay, um, so again, average increase across police, 18.4%, um, without necessarily um, having to read each of these statistics over. What I basically want to show you is that the, the, the larger shifts you see percentage-wise are in the, um, the lower ranks, the, the police officers as well as those who are currently in those you know, one, two, three, and four ranks. Um, at supervisory levels, the increases are still significant, um, but as you go up the chain, the increases is, is percentage-wise um, not as large, even though the actual dollar amount may be um, comparable or significant. So as you see, you know, again, across all police officers, it's been 19.6%, sergeants 16.1%, lieutenants 11.5%, and captains average out at 7.7%. Same is true uh, roughly in comparison on the fire side, um, whereas the average firefighter increases 19.5%, the average battalion chief increases 8.3%. All right, guys, this slide is very dense, and um, we'll dive into it in, in more closeness uh, with some subsequent slides, but what I basically want to show you, if I can use the pointer works, Sergey? I guess it does. Um, if you look at uh, some of the the key errors, actually, I'm just gonna go to the next slide. It'll be easier to talk through when these break out. Um, and it's a little easier to read. So the current city um, police and fire recruit pay is 43,000. Uh, presented by sworn in November was also 43,000. Uh, what we have proposed is to move to 49,900, an increase of 6,900 over what was presented last November. For police officers and firefighters, the um, current, you know, starting is 44,000. Presented last November was 45,394. What the city proposed 
um, or what the mayor proposed uh, in his introduced budget uh, would be 51913 which matches the current known starting pay of Uh, you'll see driver operators. Um, we're city proposing a starting pay of 54 by 14 for sergeants. A minimum, you know, a minimum slash starting pay at 72,000 uh, plus for lieutenants and fire captains. You're looking at 79,294, which is um, essentially on the on the minimum side, on the starting pay side, 13,000 more than what was presented last November. And when you look at the maximum pay side, it's n nearly 19,000 more than what was presented and, and similarly um, the same over, over what's in our current pay package. The police captains and fire battalion chiefs, um, Mr. Wood noted the salary position, uh, the starting pay that is being proposed in the mayor's pay plan is 87,231 um, compared to the current 75.5 and the max goes all the way up to 142,290. Again, this is, if you can see here and look in that, in that little block of five lighter blue um, uh, lines, you see that in years 16 to 20, and then again in years 21 to 26, in our current pay plan, uh, individuals plateau out with no step for five, years and then you do it again for another five years um, I can certainly understand why that would not be um, a good way to, to do a pay plan um, so clearly we propose eliminating those five-year plateaus and taking this um, proposal uh, to you know to, to essentially maintain the step throughout talk briefly if we can about a promotion an individual as an example who is going from a current in this in this current year a step seven a excuse me a firefighter three or police officer three um, at their seventh step and promoting them to a sergeant we would already be moving them their step so going from the 52,900 to the new pay plan increase of 61,079. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, our current formula um, would give individuals a 5% increase when they get promoted. We're proposing going to 10%. But for this individual who's being promoted at their seventh step, um, that 10% increase would only bring them to 67,187. So instead, they'll be going to the, the minimum, the starting pay for sergeants of 72,079. So it's really only until individuals get later into the step plan before the 10% um, you know, factor comes into play because for most folks, the, the starting pay for sergeant will be greater than um, the 10% the increase, assuming that they're getting promoted you know, in, the, in that first decade of their career. This is an example where that wouldn't would not be the case. And so, if an individual is uh, at their 14th step as a police officer three, um, in in July one, they would go to the new proposed 15th step at 71,863. If they were being promoted to sergeant at the same time, they would receive a 10% increase of 79,049. So, what we do is move them to the next applicable step, the next higher step in the pay plan. So they would essentially move down to a step six 
sergeant at 79-196, and then progress annually through the step up. So here we're looking at a, um, a similar case of an individual at year um, 23, uh, excuse me, step 23, where they're going from 69,304. Uh, we'd be moving to 88,572 with a 10% increase that would take them um, to 97,429 and slide over to um, take the 18 step at 99,260. So I mentioned before, um, so let me just stop there. Is there any questions specifically on the, how the promotional uh, increases work? Great. Again, here are the um, categories for pay differentials within police and fire. So this would be where if you are in one of these assignments, um, there is an increase uh, to, your, to your pay while you are in that assignment. Um, first is fire technical rescue operations. Uh, next is police SWAT, police trainer. Um, so you're actually actively participating in training other officers. Um, police detective, uh, master patrol, as well as a community policing leader. Uh, these are the regrades I briefly mentioned earlier. We increased the grade for a police major from grade 19 to grade 20. And again, grades also increase your, your, your pay. Deputy Chief um, of Police for Administration from grade 20 to grade 21. Deputy Chief for oper Police for Operations from 20 to 21. Assistant Chief um, for Fire Emergency Services moved from grade 19 to 20. And Deputy Chief um, moved from grade 20 to 21. So these are most of the, the command staff over and above what I said, battalion chiefs and police captains. Um, and, and brings them up essentially a grade in order to add, address the, the compression that um, is being created by raising everyone under their supervision up as well. Mr. Saunders, question yes, on the, going back to um, slide 18 on the specialty pay, what percent, I don't have a sense of what that um, amount would be in terms of the increased pay differentials. Can you repeat that briefly for me? So on pay on slide 18, where you reference specialty pay. Okay. Um, you said that there would be an increased pay differential, or for those with um, these special assignments, is there a chart where, or something that gives us some indication of what that amount or those amounts would be? Um, I. You know, I, I do know that that is captured in the, the larger spreadsheet, which I put on screen earlier, but I know the, the, the font is small on that. Um, does anybody have? If it's there, I can just go and to if, the if spreadsheet. And if it's not, we, we can provide it. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll provide it. Any other questions on that? One thing I wanted to be sure to impress um, upon council today is that uh, you know this work was um, certainly the uh, product of um, many hours and a lot of effort by city HR staff as well as staff uh, leadership and the chiefs within police and fire. Um, but it was also the work of um, a uh, essentially a pay plan working group that was comprised of several uh, police officers and firefighters who came together to help 
you know, provide feedback through various steps in the process. And um, one thing that, and as well, I should mention that um, we also had the benefit of our hired consultant, um, Siegel, who helped with making sure that we had the, the accurate information about best practice and, and pulled together the um, multiple locality um, comparisons that we pulled. Um, um, but again, speaking to the working group, what we, we left our, our last meeting um, with was a commitment to continue this work. Um, we need to continue to review and make adjustments regarding the supervisory steps. Obviously, this pay plan does a lot to move people up at the, the at police officer and firefighter levels and early in career. Um, we, there's more work to be done as folks move through um, the later years, but more research conversations and uh, consideration need to be uh, given there. We need to consider additional adjustments for compression within supervisory ranks, specifically created by um, the, the past 5% adjustment rule for promotions has caused, I think, issues that we need to address on a perhaps more individualized basis for, for supervisors, as well as the long-term impact of us, of the city having not funded the career progression program um, every year, you know, in the prior years. Um, we will continue to look at the number of steps in the plan. I know, uh, just to address it head on, and, um, you know, as part of what was presented last November, um, the ask was to go to a 20-step plan. That is not what is, is happening in our surrounding jurisdictions. It's not what um, Siegel recommended as far as being um, what, what you know, necessarily brings you to competitiveness. Um, so we did look at it, we did discuss it. Um, but, you know, again, one of the things that we have been talking about consistently is being competitive with um, our surrounding localities. It's not something that our surrounding counties do to, to push to a 20-step plan versus a 20, you know, five or 27-step plan. Um, we're also going to consider supplemental pay for language Mr. incentives. Sa Mr. Yeah, Saunders, please. before you move on, um, Councilwoman Lambert. Yes, thank you, Madam Chair, and I apologize for my tardiness. Um, I just want to thank you all for coming out and all the hard work that's been put in to this. Um, my question is, where are we with the reimagining of the police department? Um, I know we're putting a lot of funds mm -hmm. into them, and we're, de we're dealing with CRB. Um, how are we continuing, continuing our collaborative efforts um, with our sheriff's department? I see the sheriff's mm -hmm. here. I see Chief Smith. Um, how are we working together to make sure we're regaining, regaining the trust back in our communities? Um, um, Councilwoman Lambert, if I could respectfully request that um, we either uh, come back to that question at the end of this presentation today, or it's something that we could come back and have a, a full presentation on. Clearly, we're in a lot of conversations about um, the Citizen Review Board, we, um, on, on gun violence. There, there's a lot of things in motion, and I think the Chief would be more than happy to speak to many of the areas where we are making um, significant progress towards implementing um, the, the, the recommendations and, and um, outcomes of the reimagining public safety working group um, or task force. So there's a lot we can share on that. I just, um, in the interest of maybe separating the topics, at least just to be able to, to finish the compensation conversation, uh, and then we can come back to it either today at our subsequent meeting, whatever the pleasure of council is. Yeah, I definitely want to just continue the discussion on this, and I apologize for interrupting no, with the, but the fact is, is that we still need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And that is still not clear in regards to what is, the reimagining of the police department gonna look like. 
Um, it's, it's a touchy subject, but we have to have dialogue, and we have not had dialogue since I've been in office. And so it's, it's, it's time that we make sure we're getting it right. Um, I understand the salaries was an important issue with a lot of our officers leaving. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of just want to understand, is the chief, is RCAP, is everybody on board with this budget? Is everybody cool with where we are with these salaries? I, I can't speak for anybody but for yeah. the administration. I mean, we, we've clearly, I, I, I can say that from the working group when we went around the room, everybody. Um, spoke to that this is significant progress. Again, it, I, I, and actually, just to be, be clear, I think some of the things I've mentioned here on this particular slide speaks to the fact that there are some individualized cases where we need to go back and look. I've heard a few, you know, uh, cases, to, cases in point, um, speaking to past promotions, et cetera, and what that's done to where individuals are compared to their same um, uh, rank group. Uh, but as far as, you know, part of what I would, would, would recommend is that we, we need to continue to look at those, et cetera, but um, most of those are probably more in the vein of individualized fixes rather than uh, changes to the overall plan or pay okay. plan. So I'm hopeful that um, folks understand that there is uh, that a tremendous amount of not just work that went into this, but actual planning, and, and, and I'll go back to even say I very much appreciate Council's decision last year when we were having these conversations to do a study so that we could come mm -hmm. back with something that was that is actually um, closer to true competitiveness than what we were discussing last spring. I understand mm -hmm. the desire to do something at the time, but getting it right and studying it was the right thing to do, and I'm very appreciative of that. Okay, thank you, I appreciate that. Okay. Sorry, just to go back to where I think I was just regarding um, we're also considering supplemental pay for language incentives, special programs, special training incentive, um, and then uh, we're going to continue to review all factors in consideration for recruitment, retention, retirement, and we're gonna, going to have the discussion about um, BRS and or um, some, some conversation there, but no decisions have been made about BRS. We are just very actively uh, evaluating it. Um, all right, I'm ch changing uh, gears here real quick. Uh, slightly and to the degree that it's important when we talk about compensation for one set of employees, we talk about it in the context of all of our employees. Um, I think I mentioned previously that we have been able to do step increases eight of the last um, 12 years in public safety. Um, our record for our general employees is not quite as um, uh, successful. Um, we've had general wage increases um, or six of the last 12 years. I will say, um, you know, starting in 2019, we got into a little bit uh, better rhythm. Um, 2021, which is FY 2021, which was the COVID budget, clearly we froze um, everything. But prior to that, going back to 2012, 14, 15, 17, um, I know we were all, you know, essentially returning from the recession, we were not able to do for our employees what I know we wanted to do. Um, but it is clearly uh, something that, you know, just as we're seeing it in public safety, we're seeing it in all areas of our hiring and retention that our turnover and um, retention is not where it needs to be to um, run the organization that I know we all uh, expect from uh, our city government. Um, this year though, and 
So last year we did the, it was essentially the minimum of 3.25% um, or the phase two Gallagher implementation. So the actual average increase last year was 4.9%. So pretty good. And then that doesn't even include the $3,000 bonus that was on top of that. This year, um, the mayor is proposing uh, that we go to, to that we do a 5% wage increase and that we increase our minimum hourly uh, wage in the city to $17 an hour for city employees. The combination of these two um, initiatives, uh, the seven, their increase to $17 per hour um, has a fiscal impact of roughly 600,000. The 5% salary increase has an impact of 10.5 million. I will say that that, and so a total of 11.1 million, that is across all funds, including utilities, which, you know, to the degree that they are enterprise funds, they are self-funded. Um, the pay ranges for our employees are, are things that we have to look at as much as we look at the actual um, individual's compensation. Um, in past, when we have not, when we've made a wage increase, but not made a adjustment to the ranges, right? The, the, the maximum or minimums aren't moving, and so we continue to try and hire um, in a, essentially in a, in a less competitive place than if um, we were, you know, annually or adjusting the pay ranges as we adjust compensation. So, whereas this year we were, we are proposing a 5% adjustment, in normal scenarios where you had been doing that historically, we would really only recommend roughly a two, three, well, we would recommend a 3.25% adjustment in the ranges. So whereas the minimum is currently 56,571 for this example, it, the, the, the minimum would go up to 58, 410 uh, under that shift, and the maximum would go from 101 to 104. Well, given that we have not historically adjusted the ranges, we think it is, makes, it, it's important that we, we actually make the full adjustment in this um, proposal and go um, with a 5% range adjustment uh, as we do the 5% compensation adjustment. So again, it's not just that an individual's pay increases 5%, but we shift the whole range so that the midpoint, so essentially, you know, the inflection point where we are looking to make hires and offers around based on your years of experience and, and the job you're looking to do um, shifts as well. As I think I, I just basically recapped, um, in, many, in the, many of the past years, there were no pay increases, and you know, subsequently there was no range increase. And we have not always adjusted the range when we did do a, a wage increase. Um, the budget, this proposed budget does both. Um, and you know, for those who are you know, at the, at the, near the, the maximum for their pay, um, the movement in range allows for those people to also see a 5% increase. So those who are at, you know, um, at maximum pay based on the current pay plan um, will not, you know, in the past if we did a percentage increase and didn't move the ranges, those individuals would have to forego the raise because they were already at maximum. Looking at the year ahead, um, we have a lot more we need to do on compensation. We need to establish and formalize a compensation philosophy. Uh, we need to have a better understanding of where we lead, lag, or match the market. Um, obviously, the definitions there speak to, you know, leading is paying more than our competitors. Matching is where we are in line with our competitors. Um, we do not want to be where we are lagging our competitors. Um, 
there's also a, um, uh, you know, a reality that um, there may require a bit of a mixture as we try to catch up where we're um, looking for, um, looking to pay more than market to attract for our hardest to fill positions. Um, and this attitude towards compensation will just drive our, our decisions. And at, you know, again, to the conclusion, we will develop a plan to protect compensation increases during economic downturns. And if I can say to that briefly, um, one of the things that I heard in the, the working group on, on public safety pay was essentially what, what, it, what felt like an assumption of frozen steps, right? That we were not always gonna be able to fund and move forward um, with a step plan increase. Obviously, years like 2020, 2021 will happen, right? Um, but with some good planning, we can be in a place where um, for situations like that, um, there are options available to us um, through tapping, you know, reserves, et cetera, um, to, to actually fund those increases even when revenues um, aren't there to get through a short-term pinch either in the market or in, in, a, in a, a downturn. Um, clearly, uh, the rising um, revenues in this current fiscal year, the rebound from COVID has given us this opportunity to put together um, a very competitive proposal for both general employees as well as um, our police and fire and our, our sworn officers and firefighters. Um, but we need to be able to, we need to plan so that we can always fund our steps and wage increases for our employees and not um, have them, you know, be the first to sacrifice uh, when times get a little tough. I believe that's the end of my presentation. I'd be glad to take any questions from the budget. Thank you. Um, Mr. Saunders, I do have a question. So first I wanna thank you for the work that's been done in terms of really going forth and executing what we all agreed to, which was to have the compensation study for um, our public safety professionals. So I wanna say thank you. And then coming forth with implementation. Uh, similarly, I'm interested in whether or not there will be or are we planning a compensation study for general employees. Gallagher is I'm three, I, I, four years back. Um, I look so back because I imagine there was a lot of nodding heads behind me because I know that um, our, our DCAO, Ms. Joy Hogg, as well as the uh, HR leadership, um, Ms. Mona Atkins Easley and, and the team, um, and I want to recognize some individuals who are actually here with us, but Robin Redmond, as well as Fred Rosen, um, who did a, lion, a lot of the lion's share, if I can say, Mona, um, heavy lift for actually d doing the pay plan um, study with Siegel and, and pr preparing it for implementation, and we really could not have done it without them and can't thank them enough for it. Um, the, but we want to be prepared to do that sort of work in-house um, in the coming year, uh, and we're building the team to be able to do that. Um, so it's as, it's as much about when we look at the, some of the positions that are uh, needed in HR and budget that you know, I believe are in the, in the proposed budgets. Um, uh, those will enable us to do a compensation study for all employees, much like we just did for, because a lot of what Siegel provided was certainly knowledge of best practice from around the country, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it was also, you know, being, having the capacity to gather the 10 plus localities um, worth of comparable data as far as what their pay plans say, et cetera. So it was a lot of work that we probably were not capable of doing in-house, and it was expertise that we can always tap into. 
but it's also important that we build that capacity in-house for the city. Okay, so we will have. Um, okay. But that is, that is, it's not, I'm not, um, I don't mean to deflect, we will be doing a compensation review for general employees during this next year. Okay, that looks at comparability relative to the surroundings or in the same way with the same kind of rigor that we've done with our public safety professionals. Certainly. Okay. A um, couple of things that have come up and just don't want to lose them. Uh, there will be a discussion further in terms of BRS and all yep. that that means in terms of moving there. There was a request around reimagining relative to our public safety and so that will be there and I hear that there are some individual cases that you will and will come to the administration we, for vetting. We try to make it very clear in our communications but if anybody um, has not heard it and, and, is, and is listening now, um, we have, we have um, strongly recommended individuals um, speak with the chiefs directly if they have questions or concerns about their individual placement within the pay plan and any um, considerations regarding you know, th their history as far as compensation changes. And you know, we, we're op certainly open to making fixes that, that address an individual's concerns um, you know, if that is equitable and appropriate, right? So it's not a commitment to, to change everything, but if there is a case and, and a genuine need, we, we will make those individualized adjustments and the chiefs have um, certainly that, op that authority to, um, to do so. Thank you. Councilwoman Trammell. Thank you, Madam President. Um, Lincoln, I see where there, there's 58 positions that's not gonna be funded, and I see it in here. I see, you know, I appreciate this. But let me just say this. I know that we keep talking about um, having trust with our police officers or getting the community, you know, um, being back on board with our police officers, you know, trying to trust them again. How do we get our police officers to be able to trust the community again? How do we get, how do we form that relationship that was destroyed in June of 2020? How do we bring that back? Also, with COVID and then so much, so much other mental stress with people that what they've been going through, um, how do we, I mean, we're always sending our police officers on these kind of calls. You know, our police officers are, they're not doctors, they're not nurses, they're not, um, it's hard for them, I mean, I think they do a hell of a good job considering all the things that they go through and what they see from day to day, from hour to hour. So have, have you all, or has the chief or whoever thought about maybe when those kind of calls come in? I know that, I think there was a discussion last year, like, the social workers or mm -hmm. people that are trained in that mm -hmm. position? Well, um, just to, to, to very briefly and then um, just to say, I think as far as um, the building trust on, on in, in both directions between police community and community police, I think this is why this chief is focused on community policing. So I think that's how that trust is, is gained and developed, um, again, in that, in that two-way um, conversation between um, our officers and the communities they, they serve and police. Um, so that, I would say that on, on one hand. Um, on the other, we are actively implementing um, that sort of um, combined approach to the Marcus Alert program that um, we are part of the pilot with the state where you have mental health uh, and, and social work type responses to 
um, cases where that is warranted rather than a police response. I do think part of the reimagining public safety work was kind of getting police out of responding to situations where it's not necessarily necessary or appropriate for police to respond. Um, meaning, you know, using other resources that we have at, within the community to respond to things that aren't necessarily um, a response to criminal behavior, right? And so we've often, I think, just like um, you could say, uh, I know that we, we, we feel this way oftentimes about our teachers, but we put a lot on our officers that w isn't necessarily part of um, what is the, um, the, the, the core of the duty, so to speak. Um, you know, so they become our first responders to a lot of cases where maybe we could have a better response. So, and I know that's been a part of, of being very, very sure. much in our conversation of reimagining. So, Mr. Saunders, I'd like to make sure that that gets addressed when you come back and the reimagining that bi-directionality in terms of trust and relationships Perfect. that Councilwoman Trammell is referencing. Um, I do want to make sure if there are any specific items relative to the pay plan presentation that we get those addressed and answered. And then if there is anything else to come back in future presentations, we can do that. Councilwoman Trammell. One more, I appreciate that, Madam President. Then also, there's a lot in here where the master police officer has been, um, that position has been cut. What is the master police officer? Is that like different precincts? Is that that, those are the, the levels that you attain through the career development. That was, if you remember, that was one of the chief complaints when the city did not fund the career development, you weren't yeah. able to move up and attain that police master level, right? So it was um, a, a, a level you attained through, again, that career development proposal. So instead, we've created the flat structure, which was what was recommended by, you know, um, the, the, the sworn group that came forward last November. Um, was to eliminate those five tiers and make it one level at a higher uh, pay range. And then also I wanted to ask, um, have we considered bringing back more in traffic division? And then everybody's you know, still asking about the vice unit. Where's the vice unit? How was that, that was eliminated? How was that, you know? Ms. Trim, I would say I would have to leave that to when the chief comes forward and speaks to some of the work that we're doing. I, I'm not, um, Certainly, I'm not prepared, but I also I would defer to him to speak to the structure of his organization and how he um, creates those units. And so I'll just defer to him to, for that future conversation. All right, because that's, that's a few of the questions I wanted in there, but I don't see it in, in here. But thank you. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. And we'll submit those questions uh, and make sure, Ms. Trammell, that last one, the organizational structure in terms of our public safety professionals, especially in this case, police, which was your inquiry. And so... Okay, and uh, Councilwoman Jordan, did you have a question? I did, thank you. I really appreciate getting this uh, report back and seeing the implementation from when we were talking about this last budget cycle. So I know um, there's some you know tweaks that you guys are working out. I guess my question would be specific to um, where this pay plan implementation does leave some folks behind. Do we need to build in some reserve funds so that when you, the chief does make those adjustments, the dollars are there? I, I will say, you know, broadly, I think that, um, the, you know, my expectation of the chiefs would be, you know, find ways to make it work. I, I don't think we need to, um, I think that the, the plan implementation is, is, is in there. Uh, as you, you saw, I mean, it's a significant increase for, for both departments. 
um, I would expect, I think we can make it work if we have minor adjustments to make. Okay. It's also something we can adjust for, as you know, through the reappropriation papers and each quarter. We, as we continue to be a uh, lean machine organization, you know, we're going to continue to come to council quarterly to make adjustments based on where we see increases in costs. Yeah, I mentioned that in the presentation. That's why we have the contingency funds. We're going to need to come forward to show to say where we may need to apply those funds, et cetera. Um, so, you know, we are lean, but we also have a, a, a few more kind of um, aces up our sleeve, you know, when we need to make adjustments during the year by holding a little bit, you know, that we have the two $1 million contingency reserves in the proposed budget that could be used if we need to fill some gaps. Okay, thank you. And, and then just two general comments. One, it, it, it is wonderful to see as many steps as we have that there are people who have been here that long and continue mm -hmm. to you know, be proud to serve Richmond and, and we're grateful for them being here. So I know that there was interest in trying to get this implemented today because um, we already felt like we were behind, but my understanding from our previous conversations is this is July 1 and that's mm -hmm. as soon as it can happen. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank I you. I mean, that's what we have proposed in the budget. You know, there's not, I mean, funding available to do it any sooner, nor would we be prepared to implement. I, I you know, the, the worst thing I could, would be to say we'll be ready to implement it May 1st and, and miss the mark. I'd rather be able to, to promise you that we can be ready for implementation with all the individual adjustments and, and necessary steps to, to go with July 1, but the other side of it is funding. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? Councilwoman Nye. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to thank the administration for uh, putting this in the budget. That was um, what Council, you know, put that paper forward, and I know you, you budget by resolution. You didn't love it, yeah. but um, so but here we are. So I just wanted. Uh, let me go back to my original statement. I just wanted to thank you for putting it in the budget. Um, you know, with this kind of stuff, I think the devil's in the details, but mm -hmm. the amount of money you've put into the budget is significant, and so I appreciate that, and I also appreciate appreciate you doing the 5% for the general employees, as well as, okay, how can we work to get everybody where they need to be? Mm -hmm. um, and if I heard you correctly, so we're not gonna do another outside consultant for general employees adjustments. Um, I assume they'll take what Gallagher has and then just try and update that, mm -hmm. um, we, since that's, it's probably five years old now. Okay. Easily, yes ma'am. Yes, I think we, we certainly, you know, we implemented to a large extent the Gallagher study, so we're building off of what's been implemented and what that came back with, but you really are starting with, you know, we'll be, I think, you know, selectively targeting, you know, whether it's localities for comparison and, and as well as private sector, because we are, there are certainly places we're competing not with other localities, but with the private sector for, for key positions, um, and, and doing a, you know, doing a competitive market analysis. What is, what is the competitive wage for, um, for the roles that we, we are trying to fill here in the city. Okay. Um, but I, I do think, again, we need to build that strength and capacity within HR. Um, right. We've not, um, uh, I think, um, I'm trying to say this the right, the right way, but um, it's not, we need, to, we need to give HR the opportunity to build that strength. Mm -hmm. So is that something we're thinking for the next fiscal year? Not mm -hmm. No, it's the fiscal the, year we're working on now, but the following. 
it, uh, I believe that we have the positions that we think are needed to be able to, to, to build for that in what's in front of you for the mayor's proposed budget. Okay, okay. And then um, something uh, I think that that working group also, and, and as we, as we pull this all together and, you know, a couple of your slides, well, the first slide was like, are we a great place to work or not? And um, I, would agree. I, I would love for people to come and work at the city of Richmond, but I don't think we're as competitive right now as we could be. I think we're, we're going in that direction and this budget is a big step, but um, we have some room for improvement, let me say that. But I also think we can um, start to pull that together and market it. Um, one thing that we heard, the three of us heard, when we um, did the fleet tour, and uh, those guys over there are really killing it with mm -hmm. recruitment and retention. Um, he said, you know, a lot of the mechanics come in and say, well, I can make more at a dealership or something. And then he says, that's true, but look at all the vacation, look at all the holidays you get off. Yeah. Look at the vacation you get, look at the benefits. Um, so if we can, as we are doing all of this, whoever puts, the, puts that information out, I think it's important for us to really bundle that together mm -hmm. and work on, you know, really attracting and retaining employees. Absolutely, I very much, very much appreciate that as a as both a need and um, I think a shared goal. I think uh, just to riff on it a little bit. I mean, I think this is some of the the things that we're seeing our capacity increase just by adding some some key staff in strategic communications. The videos that we've tried to do just to communicate with employees. I mean, just like the rest of the world, um, more folks are getting their information through a video format than text and. And so it's been impactful for just kind of keeping people informed about what is going on. Where are we with Caitlin? Where are we with, um, you know, just, just various efforts. Um, I do think we need to do a better job of packaging and marketing what we have, as what we offer as a city. Let me phrase it that way. Um, because, um, you know, it's one of those things where there are some things that we are, we are already, I think, from a benefit standpoint, leading the pack, right? But you wouldn't necessarily know that up front um, if that's something you were looking for, right? And so we can we can do more of that. Um, I think again, you know, uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of doers in the city, people who who just are focused on getting the job done, and um, you know, have their desks full, et cetera. It's very rare for somebody to have an opportunity to stick their head up and say, kind of, you know, to bring attention to the work that um, they've been doing. We have to we have to help with that because again. Um, you know, um, communicating back to our citizens to both keep them up to date on progress as well as to, our, I mean, we have both internal and external communication goals as far as enhancing how people are kept abreast of what, um, what we're doing and what to expect. One last Councilwoman question. Lambert. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, one last question, um, Lincoln. Um, I was looking at the general fund expenditures by agency, and I'm looking at the Richmond Police Department. Um, was it 95 million for actual 2021? You're jumping almost 10 million from what you're proposing in the budget. What is the 10 million? It's the pay plan. Okay. It's all. I mean, that's essentially. I don't know that we made maybe maybe some modest adjustments in operations, but but that 
I think it's 13 million increase just for pay plan implementation within the police department. You know, we're talking about um, a, a, you know, an 18 percent average increase. So you know, you can, you can that, that's going to add up quickly for for a department that um, is is almost all personnel as far as its its expenditure drivers. Okay, thank you, Mr. Saunders. Uh, at this point, I'd really like to, again, just say thank you. This is a great first step towards answering that initial question uh, and moving us towards uh, a response that says uh, our city is an employer of choice. Um, and as indicated, we know we have more work to do, and your staff will queue up for that in the new year. Um, I am really pleased that the implementation of the study consistent with what was asked for and then addressing general employees and then also um, going the, even further in terms of the $17 per all employees. So I really just want to say thank you and to commend uh, the efforts. Um, at this time, um, the additional questions will get to you for future presentation uh, back to the body. And again, just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Madam President. Um, just um, a few updates, our Council Chief of Staff, Ms. Davis. Good evening. <clears throat> Thank you, President Newbill. A couple of um, items that you have at your seat, Joyce Davis, uh, Interim Council Chief of Staff, providing this information. Um, thanks to administration's budget team uh, for their response to the questions. And you have that at your seat. They've been um, distributed. A special thank you to Jason May, Director of Budget, and Sabrina Joy Hogg for DCAO for getting this back to you. Also, thanks to Deborah Shaw and Myrtle for capturing the questions, and Sampson and Mr. Carcitti and Steve Skinner for composing the following documents that I also would like to bring your attention to. Um, I just passed out an update of the meeting schedule for the remainder of the work sessions. But the sheets that you have in front of you that are burgundy and white, um, this is the proposed operating budget amendment form for operating. And the date that you receive on your form says April 4th but it will be Tuesday, April 5th. And this is a change date from what we put out originally, which was March 30th. In order to give you opportunity to listen to many of the presentations, what we're hoping with the April 5th date is the information that we've received back from administration Y'all all right? <laughs> the information that we received from administration that it will assist you in composing your operating budget amendments. And that is, they have gone through, as well as our staff, Mr. Carcitti, have gone through to see what items have been funded in the FY23 budget. And so hopefully what you will do is to look at it and if things have not been, items have not been funded, perhaps they will be included on your amendment. 
Um, but that is what we have structured so far. And again, thank you for the information and the cooperation that we have received from the administration's budget team. The second form is the capital budget amendment is due April 12th at 9 a.m. And additionally, you have a form, the proposed text amendment, which is also due April 12th for Tuesday. And then I just passed a out quick, a quick yes. question. Any questions? Yes. Did we get these electronically? Yes. Okay. I was going to say that at the end. Okay. And so Thank you, you have them now just for our conversation, but I will send those electronically. All of them you will get an email electronically. So just to go through this quickly, Ms. Newbill, we're trying to get us out of here. Um, I just want to call your attention to all of the topics that we have received so far for presentations have been included on the document that I just passed to you. For example, you asked for the presentation today for pay plan and compensation. And then if you would review your report on April 1st, there um, is your request for planning and fleet purchases and green fleet options and April 4th, capital improvement plan and capital planning program, facilities, and then the public works and infrastructure. And then April 11th, scheduled park improvements and programming and parks and recreation and then revenue. And so Ms. Shaw and Ms. Brown have captured items that you requested today and we will see where those fit in. The one thing that we have for April 13th, assuming when we receive the school's budget, we, if they desire a presentation, then we have tentatively scheduled that for April 13th. But these dates are subject to change and the schedule is subject to change. So as you all are identifying topics and have questions, then we will include those reports in there. Um, thank Davis. you. Councilwoman Lambert? Yes, thank you. Sorry, Madam Chair. Um, the April 13th meeting, you said that's tentative with Richmond Public Schools. Is that with the whole school board? Can we just be clear? Thanks. I don't know. Okay. What I did, we tried to do was to anticipate that um, by this time we may have received. I called uh, Superintendent Cameras and he called me back since I've been in this meeting. Okay. But I have not gotten any date of when they anticipate approval of the budget. Mm -hmm. I just tried to plan for it because their budget should be uh, approved and adopted by May 15th. Okay. So I was just trying to plot out the time. Okay. But as soon as I'm aware of those details, I can let you know. Okay. But this is what I know now. We definitely need to have a meeting with Richmond Public Schools to discuss amendments just so we're all on the same page. So I think some of my colleagues will talk later, but um, I know that's something that was asked. So I just wanted to put that yes, out there. Yes, and okay. I appreciate that. And so we're on the same page okay. in trying to just anticipate Something. what a conversation okay. would be. Therefore, it was placed on this so that it would be a placeholder. Sounds yes. good. Thank you. Councilwoman Jordan. Thank you. Are we going to have a presentation on non-departmental funding and grants? So 
if that is still the desire that you want it on non-departmental, I would need a little more details of everything that you want. One of the questions that we received was for the entire non-departmental, and we pulled that information from the budget. It was to know uh, how much they received, et cetera. If you want to know the process, how it's how they submit and review, we just need to get the presentation more focused. I think it'd be helpful so, to have a, a excuse, sorry, a general mm -hmm. overview of how we got to what's in the book. But then also, um, Councilmember Lambert and I were talking about the idea of having it broken down by categories, like funding that's going towards families, funding towards kids, funding towards gun violence prevention, the things that have been our priorities so we can say, does this ratio make sense with what we've said as a council we're trying to work on and achieve? And then I think it'd be helpful to know, I think it, it did have the historical context of who's been funded in the past, but I'd also like to know, I mean, how many Richmonders are each of these groups serving for the dollars that they're getting? And exactly. would you like that for particular groups? Because the non-departmental section is fairly extensive. It is, but I think it's also a large dollar amount. And if we are really tasked with reviewing it, I would like, I think a column could be added with how many, how many recipients they serve. But one of the suggestions also, because I spoke with the DCA about this, is, is this something that we can do with that detail in this meeting, or should we switch it to that up? Is this a, yeah, but, but this, all I'm saying is, depending upon what you're asking, and to receive the information and to work with that, with the DCO and the Director of Budgeting, to see I, what is possible. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that everyone on Council has asked about. I'm suggesting that that would be a discussion that's shared with all members. Agreed. Thank you. Right. Thank you. And I'll work with you to get all of the information so that we can make sure that we have it. Um, and we'll work with them to see it. Thank you. Um, Councilwoman Trammell and we'll... Thank you, Madam President. Um, I want to thank Catherine Jordan for bringing that up because, as I said about a week ago, I've asked for this year after year after year, and I can't get it, and I don't understand. You know, if we're going to have people come here and ask for this kind of money, the money that they do get, and then we have others that can't get the money, per se, like for to help people with mental health issues or, or homeless people, um, that you have to fight to get them into housing or into a hotel. Um, I want to know why, why are certain people getting certain funding and then others aren't, and what is happening with that money when you call them, they don't have any money or they'll get back to you and it never happens. So this is something that I definitely want to know, especially after a meeting that I had last week with some um, people um, from risk, and they're asking for some money to help um, black and brown and mobile homes or um, it's not, it's for them to have housing so that they're not put out in the street like some people were back in the day when they took their homes and destroyed them and, and I watched them as they went across the railroad tracks with suitcases in their hands, little children that had no place to go. But anyway, I want to know where, who's getting that kind of money, what are they doing with that money, and how are they helping people in need? Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Trammell. I think um, there's been clarity around um, 
some sense of process that is utilized priorities and progress towards accomplishing. Um, again, I'm sorry. Yes, um, Councilwoman Lambert. Yes, um, yeah, just piggybacking off of my colleagues um, in regards to the organizations that are in the communities, I think it's it's helpful if we can understand how many of those organizations are dealing with food justice and they're getting money for, through non-departmental. Um, I think that will be helpful because it's a couple of organizations on here that we looked at and the funding requests, a little confusing. So that's why I think this discussion of who is receiving funds, especially those that are in our community, are they serving Richmonders? Um, all that information is really helpful. It'll help us decide um, who gets funded and who doesn't. Thank you. Thank you. And if you will. Okay. So, Ms. President Newbill and members of council, one of the things that I wanted to add is it is also very important to know the process when we talk about it. Um, the question that you asked council member Lambert about what we are presently serving and Ms. Jordan, one of the things that we do is individuals who have received money over time, the same agency apply for a lot of the money. So to council member Jordan's point about what are they doing with the money or does it meet council's priorities? We also could look at how do we change the process so rather than individuals telling us what they're gonna do with the money, i.e. they apply, that you also set it up more or less like an RFP process where you decide that you want an agency to address food justice or you want someone to address a particular thing and delineate exactly what it is that you want covered as opposed to them telling you. That's one thing that I think is a problem with the non-departmental funds. And so um, when I mentioned earlier about the report, I'm wondering when you dig down into how they submit their reports, is it a longer process than the budget hearings that you have scheduled? And that's why I mentioned before. So I still think that it's gonna require further study that you could get preliminary information, but it is more than just a one-day report. It's a lot of other components to it that require research. Thank you. With that, um, Madam President. Yes, Councilwoman Trammell. Thank you. I don't understand. You just said the process. The process is um, per se that it's taxpayers' money going to these. I'm sorry, what? I'm just saying that, hey, you're going to give money to these different organizations. I want to see what are they doing to help our police officers out here on the street that have to deal with people with mental illness, people that are homeless, people that are living in tents in my district on the street, things like that. That's what I'm saying. When you're getting somebody, I'm not gonna even go there, but anyway, I'm very upset with what I've heard this weekend about different people getting different things. And then when I have somebody come to me with, or I go to them with about 50 people there and they're telling me that they have asked and asked, but they don't know how to go about it. They didn't know the process because, and then when they show a plan that they wanna keep people in a home and 
and Lincoln and I will have another conversation because we have been having conversations about Rudd's trailer park and about some of the others that they need some help. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying all this millions of dollars is going out the window and then at, when it comes budget time, we're told it's on Facebook, social media, I'm doing this, I'm doing, what the hell are you doing the rest of the year? What are you doing? We ask, hey, can you help? No, we can't help. We don't have it or we don't have the resources to give the person what he or she needs to be able to, to live another day. Thank you, Councilwoman Trammell. I think to your point, um, exactly for the current fiscal year and the non-departmental grants that are in the proposed budget, I think it's clear that we want to get some sense of the process, the priorities, and what the performance and progress has been. I think, and then there's some discussion of looking prospectively what, it, if any changes for that process, but how did we get to the here in terms of what we have in administration, I think has heard that and will come back to share that in uh, presentation to the full body. So with that, um, I do want to, Mr. Saunders, the only other thing that I did not say um, that I've talked with you about that I will put on the list of items has to do, we've talked about current employees, um, past employees, uh, retirees, and that will be something on my list and I've shared that with you in terms of how we address. So with that, members, we will uh, stand adjourned and look forward to reconvening for our informal city council session. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Mr. Saunders and your full team. This has been an incredible uh, presentation and, and certainly embodies just great work.